So one of the testimonies that came in over the weekend, um, someone was healed of COVID-19 during the Breakthrough Festival. Praise the Lord. And um, also of migraine, healing from migraine. Praise the Lord. Okay, so this came in from Canada last night. Praise God. Why are you guys not excited? Okay, so um, this person sent in a testimony. So she said that my organization, there was an outbreak a few weeks ago. There's an outbreak of COVID-19. She said a large number of clients tested positive. But I thank God that my department clients and staff are all not affected by this. God is indeed faithful. All right, so the person now went on further to say on Thursday, I got nominated to be featured or featured in, as the black female entrepreneur for this year's International Women's Day in March in Canada. He said, also God connected me to an opportunity with an NGO in December and the work I'm doing for them this year has now opened doors for me for some other opportunities. Amen. Can we celebrate the Lord Jesus for that? You are next in line in the name of Jesus. Whatever you have seen God do in the life of others, He will do in your own life. In the name of Jesus. You will not just be a hearer of testimonies, you will experience it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we celebrate the Lord Jesus for that once again? Amen. You see... Um, the reason why I always tell us anytime we share testimonies to celebrate the Lord is because anytime you don't acknowledge the move of the Spirit, it's going to stop. It's going to stop. It's going to stop. You see, it's going to stop. And that's one of the reasons why I always share it with us also. Because anytime you don't acknowledge what God has done, either publicly or privately in your own life, it's going to stop. The reason why it seems as if sometimes some people experience the miraculous in their life and all of a sudden it just stops is because go and check it somewhere along the line, right? They did not acknowledge it. That's why the Bible says that when 10 lepers came to Jesus to be healed, right? When they left and they received their healing, the Bible says when the one came back, one of the lepers, lepers came back, Jesus said, where are the nine? It simply means God is always waiting for us to come back to acknowledge what he has done. Is it that Jesus did not know they were going to be healed on their way? He deliberately sent them because he wanted to see their response. Whether they will come back or from there, they will just receive their healing and go home. And you know that's what happens to many people. That's the attitude of many people. When God does something in their life, they just disappear. And all of a sudden, you say, it might take a while and it might be immediate. They just realize that that thing just stops. They will not be thinking someone is doing them. No, nobody is doing you. It's the law of life. It's the law of the universe. Anything you don't appreciate will depreciate. Anything don't, you don't acknowledge is going to stop in your life. Once again, can we celebrate the Lord Jesus for those testimonies? Amen. So this morning we're going to continue our discourse on destiny accelerators. Destiny accelerators. Destiny accelerators. So, um... We started in the month of January and we've been talking about destiny accelerants. That is the things that can, uh, when put to work, can facilitate or speed up your journey in life, right? And make things to happen faster than you thought humanly possible, right? And we said number one is the practice of honor. The practice of honor. The practice of honor. The practice of honor. Number two, we said is the favor factor. Number three, we said the cultivation of strategic alliances. A lot of things have been said in this series. 
So I just encourage you to go to the website. The messages are there, right? Go there and download the messages. They are going to bless you. Praise God. It's a very detailed message. We are not rushing it. We are taking it step upon step and line upon line and precept upon precept. Praise God. All right. So we said the third step to or um, to accelerating destiny is the cultivation of strategic alliances. And we've spoken about this in depth, that as believers, we need to be strategic in our choice of relationships. There should be no accidental relationship in your life. You see, every relationship must be classified so that you will know where to invest your time and energy. If your relationship and your alliances are not classified, and we already said that there are three types of alliances. We said number one is the upward alliance, number two is the online alliance, and number three is the downward alliance. And online, we are not talking about internet. We are simply talking about the people that are on the same status, same level with you in life, the people that you are playing at the same field, whether financially, either in the marketplace or whatever, right? You need relationships in all those three areas. The mistake many people make sometimes is that they just try to connect and create alliances upwards. And that's a mistake, right? You need people at these three levels. The people that are above you, the people that are on the same level with you, and the people that are beneath you. And all those people must be carefully chosen and selected. Right, and we see that even in the life of Jesus. The Bible tells us that after a couple, after a while, after you know, some people had been following him. I think it was Mark or Luke that gave us, you know, a clear picture of what happened. Because when you study the book of Matthew, the Bible tells us that when Jesus was starting out in ministry, he just chose people. Right? But Luke, I think it's the book of Mark or Luke that gives us a you know a clear picture that at a point, after a couple of people had been following Jesus for a while, the Bible says he went up to the top of the mountain and selected those that he would. So the people that were closest to him were not close to him by default. Right? The twelve were not among the twelve by default, right? They were there strategically. Right? Even the three, Peter, James, and John, it was not by accident, it was not by default, it was by design. Jesus carefully selected them. And so we need to understand, just like we already established, that there are no neutral relationships in our life. Every relationship is like an elevator, just like we already said. Is it that taking you up or what? Or bringing you down? No relationship has a neutral influence. None. None. You might not be aware of the influence, but it has influence. And you see, the, the, the worst place to be in is to be in a relationship that you don't know the impact it is having on you until it is too late. And that was what happened to Amnon. Amnon was meant to be king after David. Amnon was, you know, the heir apparent. But the Bible tells us that Amnon had a friend. That friend was his cousin. Who, you know, they'd always, I believe before, he could go to him for counsel. He had always been talking. He had always been counseling him. So the Bible says at this time, you know, uh, uh, Amnon had an affection, right, towards his half-sister, Tamar. And the Bible says that, you see, his friend, and who was also his cousin, I can't remember his name right now, the Bible says that he gave him a counsel and taught him a school demon how to rape his sister effectively and strategically. <laughs> and the stupid guy also carried it out. And they did not know that the person he was sleeping with, that he raped the brother... He's a very strategic guy also. Because the Bible says after that happened, Absalom said nothing for two years. He was cooking up his assassination. And at the end of the day, he lost his life. He didn't only lose his life, he lost the throne that was meant to be his. The throne he was supposed to inherit. Why did that happen to him? Because of a relationship in his life. 
a relationship in his life. Now, I strongly believe that the effect, negative and toxic influence that is causing adoning is not something that happened when he had the, you know, an inordinate affection towards his sister. It is something that must have happened over the years, but he was oblivious to the impact of that relationship. And that's why I'm saying to you that in your life, there are no neutral relationships. Everybody in your life right now, you are having a particular influence, whether you are aware of it or not. And it is your responsibility to find out the role that people's influence, right, or the role or impact it is making on your life. And number four, we started this at the midweek recharge on Wednesday, is a lifestyle of sacrifice, a lifestyle of sacrifice. A lifestyle of sacrifice. We say sacrifice is a destiny accelerant. Sacrifice is a destiny accelerant. And we spoke about the sacrifices that we need to engage in. And that was where we stopped on Wednesday. So I'm going to continue from there this morning. And one of the things I want us to understand is this. That you cannot separate Christianity right from sacrifice. As a matter of fact, the Christian faith was born in sacrifice. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to the world to sacrifice his life. He gave his life for us. And that is why today you and I can be saved. And one of the things the devil came to see, when Jesus was going to start his ministry, the devil showed up, right, and told him, you don't have to go through that sacrifice. You don't have to go through the pain. You know, psychologists have told us that human beings are driven by two emotions, right, pain and pleasure. Everything we do is either driving us towards pleasure or we are running away from pain. Every decision you make in life, that decision you are making it either because you want to run away from something painful or you want to move towards something pleasurable, right? So the devil came to Jesus and said, you see, you don't need to go, uh, you don't even need to wait for years to go die on the cross. Why don't you just bow down before me now and I'll give you all the kingdoms. Is that not why you came? At least you are preaching the message of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is that you don't need the kingdom, you don't need to die. Just bow down and let me give it to you. What was the devil trying to say? You don't need to go through the sacrifice. You don't need to go through the pain, right? Just short circuits the process. And you and I need to understand that in life, you see, the level of your sacrifice will determine the pace at which you move in life. The level of your sacrifice will determine the pace at which you move in life. The lesser the sacrifice, the slower the pace. The more the sacrifice, the faster the pace. I hear what I'm saying. The lesser the sacrifice, the slower the pace. The more the sacrifice, the faster the pace. So if you want to move fast in life, engage in a life of sacrifice. You see, and sacrifice is not something that you do once in a while. It must be a lifestyle. It must be a lifestyle. It must be a lifestyle. Life is a series of trade-offs. For you to get something, you must sacrifice something. So the things that are not in your life at this moment are the things that you have not sacrificed for. I hear what I'm saying. That's a bold statement. But you need to listen to what I just said. Because I mean every, every, every inch of that statement. Whatever is not in your life right now is what you have not sacrificed for. Sacrifice for. Your next level is simply demanding a sacrifice. It's simply demanding a sacrifice. It's simply demanding a sacrifice. For you to go to the next level, you must lay something down on the altar. Are you hearing what I'm saying? On the altar of destiny, you just have to lay something down. You have to lay something down. You see, so you need to understand that. To take sacrifice out of the Christian faith is to turn it into nothing but psychology. It's to turn it into nothing but motivation. All through scriptures, you see sacrifices being mentioned. Even before Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice, you see God demanding a sacrifice from his people. From his people. Several times. Several times. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, Peter was going to discourage Jesus from also giving his life. When Jesus asked them, who do the son of men say I am? 
you know, he was the one that God spoke through. God revealed. He had that revelation knowledge. He said, oh, you are the son of God. And he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But afterwards, Jesus said, you know what? The son of man is going to die on the cross. And on the third day, he's going to... Peter said, no. To the average John Luca, they thought it was Peter that was speaking. But Jesus understood that there was a spirit that was influencing that speech. And that was why he said, get it behind me, Satan. Get it behind me, Satan. Anything that draws you away from sacrifice is the voice of the devil. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's the voice of the enemy. It's the voice of the enemy. Because the Bible says, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. It says, but when it is sown, it says it will bring forth more truth. I think that should be John 12, 24. Except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies. If it doesn't die, it's going to remain the way it is. It's going to remain the way it is. It's going to remain the way it is. You look at someone like Judas. Why was Judas angry with Mary Magdalene? Why? Because of her sacrifice. So why would you uh, this perfume one year wage on the master? Ah, uh, it's too much. <laughs> it's too much. But it was not your. It was not your sacrifice. Now is it your sacrifice? So why are you concerned about someone else's sacrifice? The Bible says that she came and Jesus broke the alabaster box. And Jesus said, anywhere the gospel is spread, this woman will be mentioned. And that prophecy has just been fulfilled again now. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Even when you don't intend to, you fulfill it. Because Jesus said, because of her sacrifice. Her name will never be wiped off the history of man. Because of her sacrifice. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because of her sacrifice. And you see, one of the things you need to understand is this. There are several sacrifices that accelerate destiny. Number one is you need to sacrifice the present for the future. Learn to sacrifice the present for the future. Learn to sacrifice the present for the future. Learn to sacrifice the present for the future. You look at someone like Esau. That was the mistake Esau made. That was the mistake Esau made. Esau did not sacrifice. He literally sacrificed the future to enjoy for the, in the present. And that's what many people are doing in this age and time. <laughs> Number two, you must learn to sacrifice nourishment. Nourishment. Especially in the place of prayer and fasting. In the place of prayer and fasting, you look at someone like Daniel and his friends. Why did they experience an accelerated destiny? Why were they lifted above their contemporaries? Daniel and his friends said, we are not going to defile ourselves with the king's meat. We are not going to defile ourselves with the king's meat. The food looks nice. <laughs> we know we might not see this food tomorrow, but we rather sacrifice it. And that's what Apostle Paul said. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and in thirst, in fastings often, in cold and in nakedness. He was talking about the sacrifice he experienced. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 27. We see someone like Esther also going on a three-day fast before she appeared before the king. So you need to sacrifice nourishment. Some people say things like, I, mean, I cannot fast beyond three, um, before 12, beyond 12 o'clock. Once it is 12 like this, my leg will just be shaking. It's better your leg shakes and destiny moves forward. I will say, my eyes will just be turning. be turning on you. <laughs> sacrifice of nourishment. Next, the sacrifice of relationships. Sacrifice of relationships. You see Jesus doing that in Matthew 12, verse 46 to 50. The Bible says that while he was speaking, his mom, his brothers, you know, his family members came. You see, and some people sent a note. The protocol officer sent a note to Pastor Jesus. He said... <laughs> Daddy is here. Mommy is here. Okay, daddy was not there. <laughs> he was in the carpenter shed. <laughs> he said, Mommy is here. And Uncle, <laughs> Uncle James. Jesus said, who, am I? who is my mother? Who are my brethren? He said, the people that hear my word and do the will of the Father. Because at that time, Mary and the brothers of Jesus were not yet involved in the ministry of Jesus. 
So as far as Jesus was concerned, they were a second fiddle to the assignment that God had given him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God told Abraham, he said, get out of your father's house to a land that I will show you. He says, he says to a land that I will show you, he says, and I will bless you. He said, I'm going to make you great. Genesis chapter 12. You see, but Abraham, out of emotion and sentiment, he took his nephew by the name of Lot. God told him to sacrifice his relationships. He said, get out of your father's house, out of your kindred. He said, get out of your country. God specified. He gave him details. So it's not just that you are just changing location. You must disconnect from your past. Because what I want to do through you, you can't afford you. See, look at someone like Joseph. If God had not disconnected Joseph from his family, he never would have fulfilled his destiny. He never would have. He never would have. For, for, for some of us, the sacrifice that our destiny might demand might be a sacrifice of our filial relationships, or familial relationships. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It might just be. Maybe because they don't believe in you. The things God has put in your heart to do, they are always against it. They are always attacking it. They say, uh, are you sure? You know, I remember sometimes back when I was in school, an undergraduate, a friend of mine told me, you know, she was going to start a business. And she said, uh, uh, that she, could, she would never tell her dad about the business. I said, why? He said, because there are many businesses she ought to have started. He said, but her dad will give her 100 reasons why it will not work for each of the business ideas. He said, so that this one can work, I will not tell my father. It's the business that she's still doing today. And I understood what she was saying. Because really, when I saw the father, he's not a man to listen to. Never take an advice for success from a failure. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A lot of people are too sentimental about life. A naked man cannot clothe you. He has nothing to clothe you with. Check the man who wants to clothe you. Check what he's wearing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So Abraham took Lot. At the end of the day, God stopped speaking to him until Lot was separated from him. I think it was Genesis 13 verse 14. The Bible says, and the Lord spoke to Abraham after Lot had separated from him. As long as Lot was still in his life, he was not going to hear the next step, the next instruction. So some of us, it might be that the reason why we have not received the next instruction is because we have not sacrificed certain relationships. Certain relationships. The next sacrifice is the sacrifice of pleasure. Sacrifice of pleasure. Sacrifice of pleasure. If everything always has to be fun and exciting, greatness is not meant for you. Sometimes life will be boring. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The process of greatness in and of itself is boring. It is. Because you are in isolation. Nobody is seeing you. You know, one of the things this generation, what the media has taken away from many people, right, is that sacrifice of pleasure and attention. That sacrifice of visibility. You must always post. They must always see. Something must be... Why, why must they always see you? Why? Why? All the ones that have been posting, has it accelerated your life? If your business has nothing to do with posting, slow down on it. Let me tell you this. It's not everybody you are not seeing that is not making progress. It's not everybody that buys something that the moment they buy it, they show it online. Don't be deceived. <laughs> In fact, the smart ones don't. Whatever you show online should be a fraction, an infinitesimal fraction of your life. Praise the Lord. You know, some people, you can easily kidnap their children just by what they post. Because you know the name of, you can see the school uniform of the child. You can just, you know, cut out the badge and search for it online. Okay, this is the school. Some as the child gets to primary three, my child is now in primary three, they will announce. So you don't even need to, you don't, you know, in this age and time, you don't need, you know, when we're growing up, when they show African magic, you want to know about people, they will look at a mirror. Today, you don't need any mirror. People have given you the mirror. All the information you need <laughs> to judge them, they've given you. 
Praise the Lord. Sacrifice of time is the next sacrifice. A sacrifice of time. You can never excel in anything you don't sacrifice time for. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You will never move far in anything you have not sacrificed time for. There is a rule that says, you know, Malcolm Gladwell in his book, is it the tipping point now? Is it the tipping point? Yeah. He calls it the 10,000 hour rule in his research. He said that for you to become significant in any field, you must invest minimum of 10,000 hours in that, in, in that field. Not that you are in that field for 10 years, oh, as an active engagement for 10,000 10, hours. And they say that, you know, uh, uh, that 10,000 hours can be broken down between 7 to 10 years. And you say, some people, when they hear, they just say, I've been doing this thing for 10 years. No. It's how many hours I, were you actively engaged? So if you are a speaker, it's not that you've been speaking for 10 years. Have you spoken for 10,000 hours? Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you are a comedian, have you cried joke for 10,000 hours? If you are a tailor, have you sung for 10,000 hours? If you are an entertainer, have you entertained for 10,000 hours? If you are a singer, have you sung for 10,000 hours? You must sacrifice time. If you want to move fast in life, if you want your journey to be accelerated in life, you must sacrifice time for whatever it is that you're doing. You see someone like Jesus who was always left alone. He would always invest time in the place of prayers, learning from the teachers of the law, going into the temple at the age of 12, learning, asking them questions. You look at someone like Jacob. Jacob was alone all night when he wrestled with the angel. When he wrestled with the angel. You need to learn to take time away from friends, from families, from parties, from TV, from social media, from tweeting. There's nothing like that from tweeting. I know, in case you think pastor does not know how to. <laughs> from Instagram, from Clubhouse. Reduce the time. Huh? I hear what I'm saying. You don't need to know everything trending online. There's something, there's something psychologist, it has now become even, it has become a medic, it's almost becoming a medical thing now. It's called FOMO. It's a diagnosis now. Fear of missing out. That's why people are always glued to their phone. It's a psychologist, it's, it's FOMO. That's why people are glued to their feed. Because of fear of missing out. I don't want to miss something. It's now becoming, you know, before it was ADA, attention deficit disorder. I'll be ADD. Now there's a new one now, FOMO. You don't have to know everything. As long as it does not affect your destiny. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Invest time in the things that matter. Sacrifice time for your dreams. Sacrifice time for your destiny. Next is the sacrifice of rest. Hmm. Sacrifice of rest. Sacrifice of rest. A man that wants to go far in life cannot be sleeping like a man that is going nowhere. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hmm. A man that is going far in life cannot be resting like what? You look at someone like Jonah. Why was Jonah sleeping in the ship when everybody was awake? He was not going anywhere. When the ship was about to be capsized, everybody was throwing their things over because he was running away. He knew he was not in alignment with the will of God, so he was sleeping. Every day you sleep. In fact, when they, are, when they wake you, you are even fighting with the person waking. Leave me alone. Leave me. Are you not going anywhere? If you have to always wake up to an alarm, you have no sense of destiny. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's just the truth. If you cannot wake up without an alarm, there is no sense of destiny. There is no sense. There is no other way to sugarcoat it. There is actually no sense of destiny. Now, I'm not saying an alarm, you can't use an alarm to wake up. But if it has an alarm that always has to wake you up. And some, the sleep is so deep that even an alarm cannot wake them. <laughs> 
Is that bad? It's when they wake up and they're like, ah, if I don't do. <laughs> when did the alarm sound? I didn't even hear it. What a shame. Sacrifice of rest. Sacrifice of rest. You look at Genesis 49, verse 14 to 15. Media can help us with that very fast. I want us to see it. Genesis 49, verse 14 to 15. Rest is good, but when it gets too much, it becomes detrimental. Let rest be a reward for the labor of the day. If you don't labor in the day and you rest in the night, we have nightmares. That's why a lot of I don't dream nonsense dreams. Some people say they dreamt in the night. Somebody was now chasing them. You can't chase me because I'm too tired during the day. When I land on my bed like this, I sleep off. <laughs> or people will be hearing sound. They say, yeah, I had gunshot. I don't hear anything. Once I sleep, I sleep. They, ah, they even count it. You do hear in the night. They shot the gun seven times. Eh. I can't hear. Because the Bible says the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. The reason your sleep is not sweet is because you didn't labor in the day. That's the reason. Look at Genesis 49, verse 14. He said, Issachar is a strong ass, couching down between two bodies. Verse 15. He said, he saw that what? Rest was good, and the land that it was pleasant, and bowed the shoulder to bear, and it became a what? Servant. When you rest too much, you will soon become a servant. You will become a slave to your contemporaries. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Sleep is good. I hear what I'm saying. Your body needs rest. But don't rest too much. The people who move fast in the day, they have labored in the night. I hear what I'm saying. They have labored in the night. They have. You look at someone like Nicodemus. The Bible says he came to Jesus at night. In the night, when nobody saw him. So the man will wake up in the day, that day after his encounter with Jesus, and you just realize that something has changed. You'll now be wondering what happened. Ah, because it happened in the night. That's why they even tell you in Africa that witches operate in the night. They didn't tell us it's which time zone. <laughs> because what you call night here is day somewhere else. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Someone didn't get that. You look at Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 and verse 25. The Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas, they prayed and they, uh, they, they prayed, yeah, and sang praises unto God at midnight. Why midnight? It simply means they were sacrificing their sleep. When they were supposed to be sleeping, they were praying and praising God. And the Bible says their bands were loosed. You just need to sacrifice your rest. You need to sacrifice sleep. Praise God. Proverbs 6 and verse 10. The Bible says, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall your poverty come. Poverty is imminent for the man that sleeps too much. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes it is not demons that make people poor. It is sleep. Or won't you you? Like you're all. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Number seven. Sacrifice of your resources. Sacrifice of your resources. Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 1. You see, this is what as believers, many of us, this is the only sacrifice we are aware of. And so we sacrifice our resources sometimes. We sow seeds. We give in church. We give to people. And it doesn't produce. We are now wondering why. Because you see, every of God's laws work in tandem. The fact that you sow does not exempt you from working. Remember one of these days I'm going to run a series on how to make your giving produce. Because the truth is, some believers give. And sometimes they wonder. Some even think maybe they are lying to us. Maybe all this is, they are just doing strategy to collect our hardened money. Sometimes the reason is because you do one, you ignore the other. 
That's what Jesus was trying to tell the Pharisees. He said, you are, he said, you are trying, when you were, you were, no, they were talking about tithing and all those things. He said, some people come to the temple and you tell them not to give to their parents. He said, they should bring everything to the house of God. He said, no. He said, you don't do this one and leave the other undone. There is a place to give in to God. There is a place to give in to the parents. There is a place for hard work. There is a place for sacrifice of, of, of your rest. There is a place for sacrifice of nourishment, of relationship. For some people, they just want to so, 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 and do nothing. And just wait down at home. Say, Jesus is coming. Come. No, he doesn't come. He, you see, the Bible says the steps of a righteous man, they are ordered by the Lord. The steps, not the sitting down. The steps. It simply means it is when you are in motion that God will order your steps. Praise the Lord. So sacrifice of resources, Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 1, the Bible says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. After many days, Proverbs 21 and verse 6, it says, the righteous gives and spears not. Exodus 34 and verse 20, it says, none shall appear before me empty. Right? So you also need to sacrifice your resources. The number five step or number five destiny accelerant is loyalty. A reputation of loyalty. A reputation of loyalty. If you are going to move fast in life, you must develop a reputation for loyalty. There is a scarcity of loyal men and women in our world today where it has always been. And so any man or any woman that has a reputation for loyalty, they are always sought after. Always sought after. First Corinthians chapter 4 and 2, the Amplified Version says, In this case, moreover, it is required as essential and demanded of stewards that one be found faithful and trustworthy. That one be found faithful and trustworthy. And those are elements of loyalty. Faithfulness, trustworthiness, dependability, reliability. You see, sometimes when people... As talk in life, one of the things I've come to understand is that many times people are not loyal, not even to themselves. Some people are not even loyal to their work. Some people have no loyalty to their work, no loyalty to any field. And sometimes that is why the destiny, the, the, the journey of destiny is delayed. God is constantly looking for people who are stable, who are dependable, who are reliable, trustworthy. He's looking for these people to lift. In Matthew 12 and verse 30, the Bible says that he that is not with me, this is Jesus speaking, it says that he that gathers not with me is scattering abroad. In Proverbs 20 and verse 6, it says many a man will proclaim his own loyalty and goodness, but who can find a faithful and trustworthy man? In Hebrews 13 and verse 5, the Amplified Version, it says, He has said, I will never under any circumstances desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you, assuredly not. So this is God saying that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you have done, I'm still loyal to you. I will never abandon you. See, when it says I will never leave you or forsake you, it's talking about two different things. To leave is to depart physically. To forsake is to abandon emotionally. So anytime you maybe make a mistake or something and you feel God is far away from you, you are the one feeling that way, isn't it? I hear what I'm saying. Because he has said, I will never leave you. 
I will never forsake you. God is always close by. If there is ever a distance between you and God, you created it, not God. You created it, not God. So, you need to understand this. If you are going to move fast in life, one of the things you must embrace, one of the lifestyle you must embrace is a lifestyle of loyalty. You must have a reputation for being a loyal person. You must have a reputation for being a loyal person. Even if you leave a specific place of work. You see, I've said this a, to- a couple of times and I'm going to say it again. Every relationship is like a door. When you are going to exit, you don't slam the door. You close it. Because you might need to go through that same door sometimes in the future. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why you know, you see, even the workplace is organized in such a way that they expect that you should leave on a good note. That's why sometimes serious organizations, they will ask you, why are you leaving where you are coming from? They will ask you. You see, and sometimes people are not smart. That's why some of those things, we'll talk about it at the Quantum Leap Summit. Praise the Lord. I guess you don't know what the Quantum Leap Summit is. It's our um, business and career advancement summit we do every Easter in the Gateway Church. You know, they ask you a question. You go for a job interview. They ask you, so, when are you willing to start? It's a trick question. So, they first ask you, are you are, do you have any work at the moment? You say yes. You said yes, so you have dug a pit for yourself. And I said, when are you willing to start? They say, tomorrow. You have just told us you are not a loyal person. It simply means you don't care about where you are about to live. They asked you, do you have a job? You said yes. Maybe you just lied because you don't want to seem as if you are jobless. Or let people say it's true. And I said, when can you start? You say tomorrow. Are you trying to say that there is nothing you are loyal to in your life that you can just cut ties like that without caring about how you leave things behind? It simply means that that is how you will also leave them when a better opportunity shows up. And sometimes when they didn't get back to me, they cannot get back to you. They cannot. Only a foolish employer will get back to you with that kind of mindset. Because you have simply told them that I'm not a loyal person. It's where the next opportunity takes me. There's, that's where I find myself. I hear what I'm saying. Some of you here, you have made that mistake before. The only Spirit has just given you wisdom now. So when you start say tomorrow, well, maybe it's even on Friday. Some people say on Monday, on Monday. Ah, how can you start on Monday? How? Hmm. Praise the Lord. And let me tell you this: the end of the disloyal is never good. You see, every time you exhibit disloyalty, God is the one that resists you. You know why? You remind him of Satan. Satan was the first person that was disloyal. He looked at God and said, "What is it?" I will build my own throne. You see, and that is always the desire of the disloyal. The desire is not just to be better than the one that has raised them, but to destroy the one that has raised them. There is nothing, you see, even a good leader wants people that will be better than them. The truth is, I'm looking forward to a day that I will sit down in the gateway. I would even travel, you know, go for it because, let me tell you this, my work and my vision is massive. It's not limited to preaching on Sunday morning. I'm looking forward to a day that people will rise in this house that they will preach better than me. Somebody, you don't believe that? that people, uh-uh. Let me tell you, some of them are under the sound of my voice right now. They even me, I will take note. I will go and see their message and preach it somewhere else. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, in the kingdom, just copy it right. It's the same word. Copy. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But when you now have the desire 
there are no, I, I, will, I will move him out of the picture. That's disloyalty. That's disloyalty. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's disloyalty. You see, you don't desire growth at the expense of the people God has used to live to. That's not progress. That's disloyalty. Because that was the devil's strategy. You look at somebody like Lot. When Abraham told him, okay, there's a strike between my men and your men. Choose anywhere. Choose anywhere. So that there will be no strike. Look at what the stupid boy did. The Bible says he looked for a place that was green and luscious. He said, ah, I don't care whatever happens to this uncle Abraham. The man that, when you came out, when he took you, you were a nobody. You had nothing. Now he told you to choose. Why didn't you just tell him, ah, uncle, this place is fine. Oh, you know what? Let us divide it. You go to this side. Because it was Sodom and Gomorrah. It was two, it was two countries. You, you took both Sodom and Gomorrah. You don't even say, ah, uncle Abraham, take Sodom. Me, I will go to Gomorrah. The Bible says he took all the good places and left uncle. If you lie, perish. That's your problem. And I believe God was trying to show Abraham the kind of man he took with him. Because God already told him not to take anybody with him. At the end of the day, what happened to Lot? I hope you are a student of scriptures. Everything he got as a result of his connection to Abraham, he lost everything. Even his daughters raped him. Because he exposed them to a wrong environment. He lost everything. And the man that you thought was going to crash, at the end of the day, the brown place where nothing was working, everything began to work. Because God is always on the side of the... He said, let me tell you this. Anybody under the sound of my voice, there are people, you have treated people well and they've treated you bad. Don't worry, God is going to fight for you. You don't need to fight for yourself. No, 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 no. You see, let me tell you this. The deception sometimes and the impatience of human nature is when you see people hurt you, you expect God to do something immediately. No, God does not work like that. Look at someone like Lot. He was doing well for years. You know when he was leaving Abraham, there was no mention of the fact that he got married and he had children. But when he was in Sodom, he had a family, two daughters, mature. For them to rape him, they must have been uh, adults. So for years, Abraham must have thought, this God does not even fight for someone. But God, God does not forget such things. No, 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 he doesn't. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, if you want to move very fast in life, embrace loyalty as a lifestyle. Embrace loyalty as a lifestyle. Embrace loyalty as a lifestyle. You know, sometimes people don't even know how to, when they be, begin to manifest traits of disloyalty. And so I just want to give us some quick tips, subtle and overt attitudes of disloyalty. Because sometimes it creeps in on people. They don't even know. And that's why there is need for understanding in these areas. Especially when you are in the workplace, when you are relating with certain people, when you begin to exhibit some of these attitudes, you need to checkmate it in your own life. Number one is independence. An independent attitude. What do I mean by that? When you are within a larger body, but every instruction given in the larger body, you believe it does not apply to you. That's an independent spirit. That's, an, that's the first ladder, and the first step on the ladder of disloyalty. Being autonomous within a larger setup. When you begin to think the organization's now rules does not apply to you, when you obey the instructions that suit you, you attend only the meetings you consider as convenient, you think what you are doing as an individual is more important than what the organization is doing. That's an independent spirit. 
That's an independent spirit. You look at someone like Joab. Even though Joab was one of the most skillful men of David, he was not loyal to David. In the sense that he had an independent spirit. Everything that David said they should not do, that was what he would always do. The day Absalom, another disloyal man, rose up against David, David's son. David gave an instruction. He said, please, just capture my son. Don't kill him. When Joab got there, because one of the servants of Joab, because these guys have become so successful under David, that even they themselves, they are servants. The guy that was under him came to him and said, ah, I've seen Absalom, David's son. He's hanging between, he's hanging on a tree. He said, what did you do? He said, nothing. We were all there. When the king said, nobody should touch him. He said, you are a stupid boy. He said, if you had killed him, I would have rewarded you. He said, I reward the king said we should not touch him. He said, go away. The, guys, the Bible says they went there and they killed Absalom. The king gave an instruction, don't kill him. But you, you have your own idea. No, he must be killed. There was a time David was going to have a peace treaty with Abner, right? The, the military leader of, of Israel. And the Bible says that when Joab had, ah, said, no, 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 no. How can David have a peace treaty with this guy? The Bible says he went after him. As if he wanted to tell him something secret. And the Bible says as the guy bent over to hear him, he stabbed him and killed him. And David prayed a prayer. He said, ah, who will deliver me from these people? Because he had the brother too. I've forgotten the name of his brother. And David was a very strategic guy. He didn't touch him. But he told Solomon. He said, make sure this guy take him out. Or else he's going to create a problem for you in your kingdom. That's why the Bible says that Solomon, there was no war in his time. Why? Because he dealt with every disloyal element. Every one of them. The Bible says after he did that, the Bible says then was the throne established in his hands. As long as you have disloyal people around you and you are a disloyal person, your journey in life will be very slow. It will be very slow and it will be hindered. Number two is an offended attitude. Offense. 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 Matthew 11 and verse 6. Jesus said, blessed is he. Whosoever shall, whosoever shall not be offended in me, shall not be offended in me. <laughs> Everyone must be weary of people that are easily offended. You know there are some people like that. You are careful of what you say. But if I say this now, I hope they will not take offense. If I do this now, I hope they will not be offended. <laughs> Absalom was offended. Huh? When his father did not do anything about the rape of his sister and he kept it to himself. You see, when something, if you are, when you are offended about something, you better voice it out before the devil multiplies it in your heart. The natural thing that happens in any relationship, at an even between husband and wife, offense will set in. But you see, don't keep it in. Voice it out. Because sometimes you might even be wrong. Your interpretation of the events might be wrong. Because it's an interpretation that brought about offense. You know, John the Baptist did not lose his head because, only because he didn't know how to talk. He said what he was not supposed to say uh, to the wrong person. It was also because of offense. The Bible says that he sent his disciples to Jesus. and said, are you the one that we should be with? And Jesus said, blessed is he that is not offended in me. He was, he was the one that introduced Jesus to everybody and said, behold the Lamb of God. But now that you are in prison and Jesus didn't come to rescue you, he said, are you the one? He was offended. He was offended. Many of us, the reason why we stagnated in life is because we are offended at certain people in our lives. One uncle that promised to give you a job when you leave school. And you thought the uncle was not fair. Maybe when the uncle made the promise, money was flowing. But now, even he knows that he can't afford to add extra baggage, or else the company will run aground. But you, you don't care. You just take offense. You just take offense. Next is passivity. Passivity. A passive attitude. Second Samuel 13 and verse 22. The Bible says, And Absalom spake unto his brother Abnon, neither good nor bad for two years. 
For Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar to bed. You do see that passivity. You see, there are some people that are naturally quiet. They are uninvolved people. That's what I'm talking about. What you need to be careful of is as an individual, when you used to be involved, right? Maybe in an organization now set up in a, you know, a, a club. When I mean club, I'm not talking about Friday and girls, you know, having a, you know, that's not what I'm saying, hangover. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about maybe a group of people you used to be involved. And all of a sudden, you just become passive. You just become quiet. When they say, what do you think? Say, Nothing. But there is something in your heart. You just suddenly become uninvolved. That's a subtle sign of disloyalty. And it creeps in on people. And that's why we're talking about some of this. So you'll be able to recognize it. You can see that, oh, maybe a step is about to be taken in this organization. Or maybe somebody you know, right, they want to take a step. And you just say, where's my own self? Then you begin to use me and them statement. I and them. That's why people around me, especially the people that work close to me, when they say, you know, in your, ch- in your church, are you not a member of this church? The way some people say, hey, okay, so you are not a member, you, you are not part of us. And I say, oh, I'm sorry, in our church. Those things are subtle. And you see, if you don't, some people don't know, and that's why those of us in leadership positions, whether in the workplace or something, you need to correct it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When people, you know, exhibit those things, you need to pay attention. Because a place you don't consider yourself a part of, how can you progress in that place? Some people go to a workplace, they are working somewhere, but they don't see themselves as part of that organization. They say, the boss. Some people even say, your boss, your guy, he's not your own guy. Praise the Lord. Number four is a critical attitude. Criticism. 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 Critical people never see anything good in those ahead of them. They always believe they can do the leader's job better. They look at someone like Marianne and Aaron. That was what happened. Marianne and Aaron, they looked at Moses and said, you should have married a better wife. How do you have married Zipporah? And the Bible says God had it. It wasn't even Moses that had it. It was God. It was God. You know, it's very easy. I've also seen people that know how to drive very well with their mouth. Until they put them behind the car steering. There's a guy, you know, on the way to our house. That guy always directs traffic. That guy can drive, but I've never seen him drive. <laughs> like, a car is coming, only without you to be coming. I'll be like, oh, I told my husband, I said, this guy, he has never driven before in his life. The way he's driving, directing traffic, he has never sat behind the steering. Never. And you know, there are people like that. You see, you never know how to lead until you assume the position of leadership. You know, some people look at what a leader should say, ah, they should have done this, and done this, done this. Sometimes you don't know how many decisions the leader is making up here. And oftentimes it has to be in order of priority. In your mind, just be like, ah, they should have done this, and you should have done this, and ah, should have done this. Some people even say, ah, in my office, ah, we have money now, we have money, they should have done this. You, you think you have money. That's what you think. How do you know the organization has money? By now, they should have increased our salary now. If you have, that's why you need to develop a good relationship with your leader, with your boss. Because you'll be able to discover things the average person will not discover. That's which you are assuming. He will tell you, ah, there is a debt loan that we are still servicing. No? So we can't even do anything now. You know, a while back, I was having a conversation with someone I respect so much. You know, and there was something I expected. I didn't say it out, of course. You know, but in my mouth, I was just, ah, you know, in the organization, they should have done this. And I, just, well, I thought, ah, maybe they don't like spending money. So one day, we were talking, and he told me certain things. I said, ah, Holy Spirit, forgive me for that thought. 
is when my mind was just and when he told me those I said ah if I to be very ignorant for them to have done the things I expect them to do next is politicking that is a political attitude a political attitude where you begin to create fractions within the bigger setup you now begin to have your own clique <laughs> At this stage, recruitment begins to take place. Second Samuel 15 and verse 6. The Bible says, On this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the acts of the men of Israel. Did you see that? When politics begins to take place, when fractions begin to take place in an organization, don't do that. Anywhere God positions you per time, don't do that. Don't create fractions that are not in alignment with the vision of the organization. In the workplace, don't have cliques. Go and look at the people that do such things. They don't rise. Haven't you noticed? Look at their lives. Hmm. Number six is deception. Number seven is open rebellion. So what are the things that drive loyalty? What are the things that drive loyalty? Number one is focus. Number one is focus. You look at someone like Elijah. Elijah was focused on Elijah. He was focused on Elijah. The man God had positioned in his life. He was focused. Even when the sons of the prophet told him, your master is going to be taken away tonight. He said, you know what? Hold your peace. I know. It's not your business. It's not your business. It's not your business. Second Kings chapter 2 verse 9 to 10. The Bible says that it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken away from you. And Elisha said, I pray you, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, you have asked for a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me, not if you see the chariot of fire. I've explained that to us, right? If you see me while I'm taking up, it says it will be so unto you, but if you don't see me, it will not be so. Elijah was trying to tell him, focus, stay focused, stay focused, stay focused, stay focused. The reason why many people are not loyal is because they are not focused. They are here and there, here and there, here and there, in every industry. Are, you, can't, you, you can't say this is where they are. You can't say this is where they are. Number two is heartfelt service. These are drivers of loyalty, heartfelt service. Anywhere you find yourself, be there with the heart of service. It is impossible and very difficult to be disloyal to a place where you are serving. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is almost impossible. If your heart is truly there to serve, you won't be disloyal. Loyalty will be your natural attitude and conduct. That's why you see someone like Elisha. Elisha was out to serve Elijah. Not even to be a prophet. Because the Bible says when they described him that there was one Elisha that poured water on the hands of Elijah. He was just there to serve Elijah. He was just there to serve. He was just there to serve. 2 Kings 3, 11 to, 11 to 12. You're going to find that there. 2 Kings 3, 11 to 12. Luke 22, verse 27. The Bible says, For which one is greater? He that sits at meat or he that sat. He says, It's not he that sits at meat or uh, um, he that sits at meat, but I'm among you as one that serves. That's Jesus speaking. Even Jesus said, I am among you as one that serves. Number three, driver of loyalty is affection. Affection. Affection, affection. Why was Jesus, and why was Judas, not Jesus, why was Judas disloyal to Jesus? It was, he had more affection for money than for God. He loved the money too much. He loved the money. He loved the money. You can never be loyal to someone you don't love. That's all they tell people in this video. Ah, let me just get a job, get a job. You see, the same way an employer has a right to determine who to employ. Right? Thank you. You also have the right huh, to determine who to work for. I've never worked for anybody or worked under anybody that I don't like. 
You know, there are some people, the moment you go to an organization and go for it, you just go, ah, these people, they don't look like people I can work with. Don't bother going. Or else you will be disloyal in that setup. Your heart will not be there. When you are in a place where you don't, you see, there should be that natural, even, you see, it might not even be natural, but at least anywhere you are working or anywhere you want to walk, right, or anywhere you want to serve, let it be a picture or let it be a place where you think you can fit in. Not just let it be because I, I'm desperate. I need a job. I need a job. At all costs, let me just get something. Ah, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Praise the Lord. That's why you see Jesus asked Peter before he was taken up into heaven. He said, do you love me more than this? What did Jesus hand over his work to? The man that loved him. He said, Peter, do you love me more than this? Peter said, you know I love you. Can you make that kind of statement? You know. Because at the point, he said, you know all things. You know that I love you. So Jesus said, feed my sheep. He asked him again, do you love me? He asked him three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Hmm. Let me tell you this. There is no sane person that hands over their labor, their life work, to somebody they know does not like them. There is no sane person that does that. In fact, there is no sane person that reveals the secret of their success to somebody that does not prioritize them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why you see that Peter, James, and John, when you studied the Gospels, there were things Jesus revealed to them that he didn't reveal to any other person. The raising of the daughter of Jairus, right? That month of ago, the, the Mount of Transfiguration experience. It was only Peter, James, and John that saw those things. The other disciples did not see it. And Jesus, there were times Jesus told them that they should not tell the other disciples until after his resurrection. And these were guys, you see, John, out of the three, was the one that was referred to as John the Beloved. He said he was the closest one to Jesus. But you see, Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Next is consistency. 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 These are drivers of loyalty. Consistency. 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 An inconsistent personality will always attract the spirit of disloyalty. An inconsistent personality. There is a much less reward for consistency. Staying at one thing for a very long time is a driver of loyalty. That's why I said earlier that some people are not even loyal to their own work. They're always hopping from place to place, hopping from field to field, hopping from business to business. You cannot identify them with anything. It's a spirit of disloyalty. You are even disloyal to yourself. You see, if you embrace that kind of attitude, journey, the journey of destiny will be in that. I hear what I'm saying. It will be in that. You have to be consistent. If it's finance you are in, stay in finance. Until you amount to much in it. Don't be in finance today, agriculture tomorrow, the after tomorrow, real estate. At times, it is the strength of the youth that deceives them. Just say, I still have time. I still have, I can do many things. The time where you are all over the place, catching your energy. Some people have channeled all their energy on one specific place. And they are gaining mileage. Why you are all over the place? If it's shoe you want to sell, start selling shoe now. If it's clothes you want to sell, start selling it. And be consistent with it. And be consistent. I remember before we got married, you know, first thing we were facing some challenges, you know, in our industry because it was an industry, you know, dominated by elderly people and married people. And she was, you know, getting discouraged. And I told her something. I said, I can never marry a quitter. So if you give up, it is game over for us. And I meant it. Because how you do one thing is how you do everything. 
If you give up on something you have been doing for years, just because it seems as if it's not working out yet, that's how one day you will just wake up. This marriage is not even working, Daddy. Let me give up. Because you have trained yourself in the heart of giving up. And many of us, we don't know that we're already programming ourselves to give up. Something doesn't well, do something else, Daddy. Because the friend, your friends have told you, it's crypto that is not working. So you jump to crypto. You don't even understand. The people that know about you, you have not asked them. And now the people that are not smart, they block their accounts. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But you know the ones that are smart, they have their money. Praise God. I'm not against crypto. Even real estate. Some people don't know and they just say, buy land, buy land, buy land. They go and buy land in a place that in future, government has a plan to construct roads there. That's it. They say we should buy land, we have bought land now. Land that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. At times, before you buy some things, go and do research. The fact that you have money does not mean you should buy things. Hmm. Next is contentment. Contentment. The reason a lot of people are disloyal is because of covetousness and greed. Covetousness and greed. They are always looking at what other people have. The question you need to ask yourself is, how long did it take those people to get what they have? How long? But because you are just close by proximity, that privilege of proximity, you see someone experiencing a measure of comfort and you feel entitled to that level of comfort. And so you want to do whatever it takes. Some people even get to the point of stealing. If you steal from me, I will never tell you, but I know thieves. And I will find a way to checkmate you. I hear what I'm saying. Let me tell you this. There's no future for the thief. The Bible says the curse of the Lord is in the house of the thief. So in case you are here or you are hearing me and you are stealing from your boss, it is not the boss that will curse you. It's God. He says the curse of the Lord is in the house of the thief. He says hey, the company is making money. The money is not enough. So that gives you a right to steal. If it's not enough, look for another job. I know it's not only money you steal. Some people steal company property. They said this car, you only use it you know, for marketing. You take it to your village. You are stealing from the company. Especially if it's a company that's going to service that car. The car gets spoiled. It's a company that tows it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We don't like to hear these things, but it's the truth. If you are not content with where you are on the way to where you are going, the devil will soon use that discontentment. He will soon use it against you. He will soon use it against you. That was what happened to Judas. He had been stealing from Jesus. The Bible says Jesus knew, but Jesus didn't see anything. Until the day that he felt, this money that I'm stealing is not even enough. Let's go sell this man. <laughs> At least if I can sell it. <laughs> when they take him, if all the man not to steal it again, all the money will be mine. They pass the school with me. It was after he had sold Jesus that he realized what he had done. He now realized that there's nowhere to steal again. No. And this is what I'm stealing from. At this point, you see, there is an inflow, an opportunity for constant stealing. Now that I've sold him, the Bible says that he went and hung himself. Contentment. What drives people to that point? Discontentment. One thing God has helped me to do, maybe parenting is part of it, because growing up, uh, you take the lead of a viral home. That my mom knows this is not a viral, you went to school with in the morning, you are dead. In this age and time, people don't discipline children anymore. My mom will check your bag. As you are coming back home, she will check your bag, everything. I remember the days when VCD came out. We didn't have VCD player yet. 
I collected this CD from one of my friends. I said, I'll go and watch it in my neighbor's house. Hey! I almost died that day. My mom said, that is how stealing starts. You will become a thief. I said, no, mommy. Said, you As you are going out, this part you are following, this is a part of a thief, a robber. You don't have VCD player in your house. What do you want to use to play it? I said, I want to go to... Yeah, I said, no, beats... You see something like this, is that time, you just have, you just take more work. <laughs> because you know the beating. So there are people who see things, they don't even, ah, they don't even notice. Not to talk of beating the child, they don't even notice. They don't even notice. You're already training that child that if you don't have something, you can steal it. Even if you don't have it, just take it. Just take it. There are some things you should not wear now. Be content with what you are wearing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are some suits you should not wear now as a man. Or else you have won your future up front. You will be naked in the future. Inevitably naked. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are 5,000 Naira suits. Do you know that? In fact, there are 2,000 Naira suits. And you will not know. Someone was telling me, a first lady, and the first lady and I recently, huh? he was looking so clean. I said, wow! Brother, so, so, and so. He said, oh. 2,000 more hours. I said, eh? Then no, no, no. This is impossible. Two thousand complete jackets and pants. See, he understood this level. I hear what I'm saying. That does not mean years to come. He will not wear designer suit of two million. Some of you, you see things on your boss. You gonna be pricing it. Are you demon? Why are you pricing it? Why? That's stretching your face. <laughs> <laughs> and now get there. You now get 200,000. You now be calculating. Huh? And my salary is 150. My boss is. Don't do that to yourself. There are things you should not expose yourself to too early. Some of you, you should, you should make up your mind 2021 to 2022. I will not enter the mall. I hear what I'm saying. Some of you need to make up your mind that for the next two years, I will not enter the mall. Because the things you are seeing is already driving a spirit of greed in you. Ah, I must get it at all. Some of you need to shut down your social media account or unfollow some people. Because the things you are seeing, you need to understand how between Wednesday and last night, how weeks suddenly became expensive. Because some guys, that's the least they have received from their girlfriend. This Valentine, you must buy Gold Street. And it has almost become times three. You, 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 don't, you don't have any property anywhere. You don't even have any savings. You are carrying your foundation on your head. Even if they give you, you should return it. And say, wow, thank you. Return it and change it back to money. Even if you will lose money on it, collect the change. Go and put it somewhere. Because that bone straight, in the next one year, it will no longer be relevant. Were they wearing bone straight 12 months ago? Somebody hearing what I'm saying? There are clothes I wear today. There are clothes first lady wears today. We could not try it when we just got married. I've told us about our house now. Huh? Feel that our house. You sit down on the chair. If you stretch your, your leg, will be touching the television. That's why the house you want to. Oh, this is Taylor Laurent. In fact, you, you don't know Taylor Laurent. <laughs> In fact, you'll be pricing them. You will call this one, come. This one, 5,000. This one, 4,000. 35. That 35 is as good as, well, you see, one five, yeah. Oh, my shame, come. That one five will do something. If you are that face, enjoy it. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? And don't feel you are missing anything. What drives people to disloyalty is they feel they are missing something. Let me tell you this. Whatever I don't laugh in my life at the moment, I don't miss it. I don't miss it. I don't miss it. The moment you start feeling, ah, I wish, I wish, I wish. That's when ideas will start coming to your head on how to take it before time. Certain things will happen naturally when it is time. Whatever you are struggling to accomplish, it is not time for it. It is not time for it. We are saving to buy hair. Saving to buy iPhone. Let me tell you, if you lose that phone, can you buy it before the end of the week? Can you buy another one? If you can't, it's too big for your size. It's too big for you. And last but not least is patience. 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 That's the last driver of my out. Patience. Even though David knew that God had anointed him king, he waited for his time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The fact that God has promised you something does not mean it will happen overnight. God is a God of timing. David could have become a king before timing and God would have demoted him. Because after he was anointed, huh? the man he's supposed to replace was trying to kill him. Is that, in, is that not enough reason for you to take out Saul? And justify so that ah, we are in a war, civil war. This man wants to kill me. And they, I killed him out of self-defense. But you understood. That must, you must not touch the Lord's anointed. He waited for his time. Even when a guy showed up in Second Samuel. Maybe we should read that please very quickly. I'll round up there. Second Samuel chapter 1. A guy showed up one day after Saul had died. And he lied that he was the one that killed Saul. And he was not the one that killed him. For you to see the patience of David. David looked at him and said, Ah, how can you? You know, you know, David was supposed to be celebrating that finally my enemy is dead. But look at David's response. Second Samuel chapter 1. Let's be fast. Or maybe, don't worry, it's taking too long. So the Bible says that afterwards, David killed the man and said, ah, No, you don't do this. Go to verse 4, 5. Go to verse 5. Go to verse 5. Okay, go back to verse 4. Go back to verse 4. The Bible says, And David said unto him, to the man, How went the matter, I pray you? Tell me. And he answered, that the people have fled from the battle and many of the people also are fallen and dead. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead also. Verse 5. And the young man that told... And David said unto the young man that told him, How did you know that Saul and Jonathan and his son, they are dead? Verse 6. And the young put by chance upon one giver. Behold, Saul leaned upon his spear and lo, the chariot and horsemen followed that after him. Verse 7. And when he looked behind him, he saw me. He was not there and called unto me, and I answered, Here am I. But who art thou? And I answered him, I'm an Amalekite. He was a Jew. Verse 9. He said unto me again, Stand, I pray you, upon me, and slay me, that is, kill me. For anguish is come upon me, because my life is yet whole in me. Verse 10. And I slew him, because I was sure that he could not live after he was falling. And I took the crown that was upon his head. And bracelet that was on his arm. And I brought them to you, my Lord. Did you see? He thought Job David was an impatient man. He said, I brought the crown to make you king. Verse 11. Then David took hold on his clothes and rent him. And likewise, all the men that were with him. He had taught his men how to be loyal. That even the devil was so much anguished that the Bible says they tore their clothes. Verse 12. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening. 
for Saul and for Jonathan his son, and for the people of the Lord, and for the house of Israel, because they were falling by the sword. Verse 13, let's be fast. And the woman that told him, Where is Hadal? And he said, I'm the son of a stranger, an Amalekite. 14, and David said unto him, How was thou not afraid to stretch forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Verse 15, and David called on one of his young men and said, Go near him and fall upon him, and he smote him that he died. He said, ah, no, 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 you are, you, are, you are a disloyal person. You must receive the reward of a disloyal person. And that was death. David should have been excited. If I should have called a party. But, hey, my enemy has finally died. But he said, ah, no, 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 no. An anointed man should not fall this way. This morning I want you to talk to God. There are many things inspiring people in this age and time to be disloyal. Openly disloyal to the people God has positioned ahead of them. The people God has used to lift them. I want you to pray this morning. Talk to God that if there is anything in my heart that can feed the spirit of loyalty, of disloyalty, Father, let it be taken away this morning. Let it be taken away this morning. Give me a loyal spirit. Help me to be focused. Give me a heart of service. A heart that genuinely serves those who are placed ahead of me, Spirit of the living God. Father, give me patience. The patience to wait for my time. To wait for you to give me the things you have promised. Not to take them by brute force before you hand them over to me. Spirit of the living God, we thank you this morning.